Andy, here's a good one. Our board member asked our executive director to record a message for social media talking about what they have done for the organization and why they would be a great choice for an upcoming election. Is this a good idea? It's not only a bad idea, it's probably illegal, <laughs> right? So so it depends on your like what I mean, the only time that this could be okay is if the executive director is talking about it in their um, in their capacity as just a private individual. But that's really, really hard because you are always going to be, especially an executive director is going to be connected with the organization. So the IRS is very specific. And we just talk, I mean, Stacey, I mean, we'll talk about what things you can do, but but one of the things you cannot do is either say that I would like this, per- as an organization, as a nonprofit, the IRS prohibits you from saying, I would like this person to be elected for this position, or I would like you to not elect this person for this position. You can think it, but you can't say it. You also can't say anything about particular laws. Like, you know, they're voting on this. I would like you to vote yes on this, or I would like you to vote no on this. If something's been enrolled and you can't even tell, say out loud, I would like the governor to veto this, right? You cannot have an opinion on legislation or on people that are running for office as a nonprofit. It's not allowed. Yeah, and there's some great resources that we'll put a few links in the show notes that I did I did my own research on this because I just I knew the general answer but I thought let's dig deeper because there's a lot of nuances when it comes to advocacy, lobbying, what is mm-hmm. and isn't accepted. And so it kind of falls into two buckets, right? Nonpartisan election activities and partisan election activities, right? And it's the nonpartisan election activities that are okay. So as an example, that would be some voter education, right? Like distributing questionnaires, nonpartisan questionnaires to some of the candidates running for office, Um, you know, maybe attending town halls or other forums to raise awareness about the importance of your issue. And and that kind of thing is absolutely permissible. Um, Direct lobbying, grassroots lobbying that gets into other more complicated things but still those those are absolutely um acceptable within this kind of nonpartisan election bucket um and then and then kind of just encouraging register you know encouraging and helping people to to get to the post on election day to vote right like those kinds of things um are absolutely permissible but when you get into like showing any kind of favoritism right on a like you said like with a candidate like endorsing opposing a candidate um rating candidates like on their support of an issue like we give this person an f or whatever like right not not at all uh cool so um it's definitely something especially i think so many organizations after what we've all experienced over the last couple of years you know, legislation advocacy is top of mind more than ever, it feels like to me. And so please educate yourself, like look at a couple of the links we put in here because we're only scratching the surface and educate yourself, your board, your staff, because I think people do these things innocently. Um, And, you know, your board member who asked you to do this, um, that's, that's always a sensitive situation, right? Because they want you to endorse them. That's going to help their campaign. And you're just going to have to educate them too, because I'm guessing they probably didn't realize and they're not looking at it from the nonprofit lens. They're looking at it from their, I want to get elected lens and I'm an active board member of this nonprofit, but they're actually putting you in jeopardy. So uh, don't (laughs) don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's against their fiduciary duty, honestly. And I wanted to sort of add on to one of the things that you said, because one of the things that I think a lot of nonprofits that don't look into this deeply think is that any kind of lobbying is prohibited. 
Like you can't have an opinion on anything. And that's not true. You can act, you can have lots of opinions and you can, you can, you can talk to people about creating legislation. You can talk to people about like the kinds of legislation you want to see. You can educate people on issues. Um, you just have to record that. And there's, if, if it's something that, and, and the IRS is cagey about it, right? There's, there's no, like, if it's 10% of your expenditures, you can't do it, right? It's like, it's, I think the word is insignificant, yes. right? And insignificant means different things to different people. I, the IRS definitely has an opinion on what they think that means, but you can actually file a form with the IRS that says, we intend to lobby. It's you send it to them. You say, we're going to lobby on the issues that are important to us. Just we're making you aware. And then on that tax form, when you do your 990, there's a separate piece you fill out about how much you spent and what kinds of things you were lobbying on. So you're kind of making it explicit that we know we're doing this, which is a good thing to do, I think, you know, from an accounting yes. perspective. We know we're doing this. We're not we're not going into it blindly or confusedly. We're explaining that we understand how we do it. And this is how much we spend on it just so you can check our work. Right. Which is always good. So, so it's, so I wouldn't take away, like, you know, be careful, you know, you don't understand it. Don't do anything. No, it's no, more no. like the rules are complicated Yes, and you should probably spend, if this is something that's important to your nonprofit and it honestly probably should be, you should probably spend some time digging into it to make sure you know what you can do um, and, and what's allowed. From what I recall, Andy, that form you're talking about, I think it's a 501H election. Does that sound? Uh, that's, I think that's I right. Think we, that's will right. we will put the yes, official we'll link in the, the show link. notes because our memories aren't that great. And it's a pretty simple, it's a pretty simple form mm-hmm. if I Yeah, remember. and it's a, like the 501H, it's an election. It's a 501H election and you, you say, I'm going to lobby. And then you just, when you do your 990 every year, there's a piece that goes with it that explains what you did. Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit, with your host Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding. Stacy, do you know what tomorrow is? <laughs> I'm really thinking hard. Like I was like, uh, is it someone's birthday that I've forgotten about? Uh oh, like is it a holiday I'm not aware of? It's the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits Fall Conference. It oh, actually starts yes. tomorrow on Thursday. Well, I've got good news and bad news. This is Andy recording something early Wednesday morning as an update to what Stacy and I were just talking about. The conference, which was scheduled to start tomorrow, has actually been rescheduled to spring 2022. So the good news is um, if you haven't registered or if tomorrow's too late to find out about something and you're ready to go, um, it's going to be the same conference. It's just been rescheduled to Thursday, March 24th and Friday, March 25th, 2022. So there's still plenty of time to get tickets. There's lots of tickets available, obviously. So um, take everything we just said and uh, pretend we are talking about March 24th and 25th, 2022 and not about tomorrow. We'll see you then. Um, so there's still tickets available. If you go to the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits webpage, you can get tickets there. They're still available. Um, or the Nonprofit Everything show notes will have a link directly to the registration page. You can get there. It's going to be a ton of uh, good content. Like jam-packed. Jam-packed. Good. Like everything from board stuff, marketing, fundraising, you know, trends, uh, leadership, right? Health and wellness stuff. Like there's a whole mix of really cool topics. So it's something that... I, you know, I, I think anyone would want to go wh- whatever stage you're at in the nonprofit world, right? Whether you're sort of new into the world of nonprofits or, um, you know, really have been a seasoned pro, you can probably 
add a lot to the conversation as well. So I hope we see a mix of people. I think that'd be great. The, so it's also going to be virtual. So it's it's in person at the center down in Las Vegas. So if you can come and actually talk to other humans, that would be fun. But it's virtual as well. So if you're actually listening to this from someplace other than Southern Nevada, you can actually participate as well because they have a virtual um, a virtual event ticket that you can participate in everything just like everything else. And I will just say some of the speakers that that we have lined up or that Anne has lined up for this are literally those speakers that you see on kind of agendas across the country for conference agendas across the country. I mean, these are people who know their stuff. They are experts not only for our local community in Nevada, but also, you know, across the country. So uh, you don't want to miss it. Andy, another board question. Notice notice the board questions I'm we a get. theme lately. Yeah, there is a theme. How do you navigate when a board member wants you to add a line of business to an organization that will require the investment of staff resources, time, and the expenditure of funds that you feel should be invested into another area that could have a greater impact and a greater return on investment? It's like, this is the kind of question I, I like feel myself dying inside as soon as I hear questions like this, because this is, I mean, this is hap- this exact scenario has happened to me more than once where a board member has this great idea. Oh, don't they all? They have this great idea and they want you to execute it. And, and you like, especially if you're not the executive director, if you're the unlucky CFO who gets this question and the executive director is just forwarding an email from the board. Can you look into this? It's now your job to like create an like guess at this giant business model that they've proposed just because they're having an extra Chardonnay at the bar. <laughs> and now you've got this program idea that you're going to need to figure out how am I going to let this person down easy? Because like this is totally out of scope for our mission or like like, look at our strategic plan. This is totally not in it at all, yeah, right? Imagine that. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the the answer is it's really, really hard. It's really, really hard. Going back to if you have a strategic plan that talks about what your goals are over the next X number of years, use that as ammunition to say, look, we've got these priorities. The, the correct, you know, it's hard to do as a staff member too. If you're the ED, you have a little more juice, right? Yeah. But if you're a staff member, you like, I need some cover. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I need, yeah. I need yeah, some like, covering fire for this because this is not going to be a pleasant conversation. Like this is the the way you come up with new ideas is you go through the strategic planning committee who comes up with what the, you know, as a group, we all come up with what the direction of the organization is going to be. And then we kind of figure out how we're going to get there over a period of time and, and lobbing grenades over the wall with your awesome new business idea is just not super helpful, but I don't know how to say that without like getting fired, honestly. So I, I mean, here's my thing. I think part of it is a piece. So I would take the approach of, yeah, strategic plan, but I would also say, you know, why don't we put it like we have this rolling list as ideas come up for our next strategic plan, like that when we get ready to do our planning again, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like we'll make sure we address it. But as you know, like we're kind of on this course and so we're sticking to it now. The board approved it. So we want to kind of stick to it now. And, you know, and at the end of the day, if that doesn't settle this person down, then I think it's okay to be like, obviously this is more an executive director level conversation with the board member, but like, I think it's okay for an ED to say, 
you know, bring it, bring it up um, to the board chair and perhaps, you know, and the board chair can decide if they want to put it on the next board agenda or whatever, then you kind of fill in your board chair. I mean, unless it is the board chair, God help us. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's still then at the end of the day, like, I think the thing that has to be reminded if this board member won't give up and it's like a dog with a bone, which many are, Mm -hmm. then if that doesn't appease them to like, just put it on that list to make sure you address at some point, then, you know, you put it up. You bring it up at a board meeting and you as the executive director then come armed with ammunition of like, hey, like we need to like, like, here's a few, here's our litmus test for how we decide whether we're going to take on a new line item and like remind the board of that, remind them. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're a one unit governing body. Not one person gets to be able to make any decision on their own. Mm -hmm. So like I just I think like if it really came down to it, you bring it to the board. But like hopefully you can just appease this board member in the meantime and say thanks but and we'll put it on the list and then you know maybe they've forgotten about it maybe they're like squirrel syndrome and they come up with new ideas every day great we'll add it to the list and you know and then and like here's our vetting process when that time comes like we vet it out here's the ideas that made the most sense for the way we make decisions here right yeah i've seen executive directors fired over this though like so the this was this was a very long time ago and not in nevada so don't think it's somebody we know um, and it was an organization that had multiple um, properties around the city. They had lots of properties around the city and they were in, having cash problems. So they were, the board was already nervous and tense about like, how do we, how do we do what we need to do because we're not bringing in enough revenue? And one of the board members said, well, we've got all this property around town. Why don't we like lease out the bottom floor of some of these places and make, you know, lease it out for you know coffee shops and dry cleaners and stuff like that, where we can just like, you know, the bottom floor can then be retail and then the stuff we do can be above that. And the executive director did what we would expect and say, that's not in our plan, right? Like we we're a nonprofit. Our job is to fundraise. Like if if the mission isn't compelling to a large enough group of people, then we need to let somebody else do this work. And the board just got was so freaked out about money and had the sense that, um, like like a lot of entrepreneurs do, that the idea that they just had is only good for the next 15 minutes. And if we don't jump on this right now, somebody else is going to grab this idea and then we're not going to have it anymore, right? So we we have to do this right now. And so that that cautious delay that the executive director provided to, correctly so, to say like, look, this is not what we are. Like we don't, yeah. I don't rent dry cleaning but I don't know what that is, right? We don't, that's not what you hired me to do. And the board got rid of him. He was gone. And it's, and it's, you know, that's the kind of like cautionary tale of like, how do you build into your board? Like what, what can you do to prevent that? If that's, you know, if, so one of the things we talk about all the time is cash flow, right? Right. So cash flow is like, like liquidity is the most important, my opinion, <laughs> this is Andy's, Andy's soapbox, right? Liquid, liquidity is the most important financial metric for a nonprofit. Like, do we have the cash to be able to do what we need to do? And there's there's like layers of things that you can do for liquidity. Number one is like raising money, um, a rainy day fund, like getting the board to understand that we need to raise, you know, breaking even might not be what we want to do. We want to actually bring in more money than we spend so that we can create sort of a nest egg that then we can then blow on a nice big, you know, a big new building or a new program, like expand once we've got the cash, right? Or get loans or things like that. The The business idea is way down that bottom of that liquidity list. Like a brand new line of business is like right above calling our vendors and telling them we're going to pay slow, telling our employees don't cash your paycheck today because we need the money for next week or, 
declaring bankruptcy, right? So, so coming up with a brand new business idea is right above that in the, in the liquidity pyramid. And so, so like coming up with other strategies that prevent board members from like locking on to great new ideas, like, because you're, because everything else seems to be running smoothly might be one solution to that too. I think that's a great solution. Another solution, and I've mentioned it before, and I'll just, for the sake of repeating myself, like, I believe there's tools out there like strategy screening tools that you come up with criteria as an organization that when you are making big decisions and define big, right? But like a new line item, a new business line item, whatever that is, right? Like what, what are the key criteria that have to be met sort of quick gut check do they meet the quick cursory like gut check right does this further our mission does this further our strategic plan whatever like do we have any of the expertise required do you have any of the expertise and if the answer is no you don't even continue the wasting your energy or time if the answer is yes on those then you go into a deeper dive analysis of some of what you're talking about and then you say okay like so here's a second layer of questions and like and here's and you create that objective framework with it can be yes as simple as yes no i've seen organizations actually scale it like put points around it or like one to ten like how much and so you create that objective process during like a strategic planning retreat or a board retreat or something where you create that so that when these situations come up you go great let's turn to our strategy tool like our strategy criteria tool right like because because then it takes the emotion and the personal thing out of it yeah Yeah. so i feel like those are things that people could do to kind of avoid this um but God, I feel for this person who wrote this question. I do. Our board recently established a marketing committee. At the first meeting, there was a big discussion about which target population to market to, given the limited dollars we have. Does it make more sense to focus on potential donors so we can see some return on our investment of marketing dollars? Or would it be better to start with finding more people who need the services we offer? So, okay, uh, I've got to ask you your your body language because those who can't see you, like Andy's got sort <laughs> I'm just of a confused weird, by the question. A weird, a I was weird, like trying to make sure I understood it. That's okay, all. like so, what is it? What is it asking? So, like, I think it's asking, <laughs> right? Like, I think it's talking about marketing, right? Like, do you do you put more eggs in the basket of marketing to donors or potential donors, or do you put it in the basket of getting more clients? And so, my like in like attracting people who need your services. And so my answer is both are important. You can't have one without the other. But at the end of the day, taking a step back and people are probably so tired of hearing me. And I think you've said it before, Andy, right? Like, I know we both have like, what does it like? What is your plan and your goals around it? Like, where are you trying to go? If you have an overflow and demand of people needing your services and that like a waiting list, then obviously marketing at the yeah but right. i think like, that's what doesn't make sense that's what i was confused about is like how how do you have a nonprofit and not know who your target constituent population is how did you get to today and right. not know what mission you were trying to serve right and see, see and to me like <laughs> i re- i read this question and kept thinking like it strikes me as an organization that probably has done a variety of tactics, like all the typical random acts of marketing we see. Oh, let's do this social media. Let's update this website. <laughs> oh, we got a free billboard. Let's do the free billboard. Right. Like yeah. like all these just reactive sort of things without actually taking a step back and saying, okay, who is it we serve and what like and that's multiple people, right? Like that's and that's, you know, maybe I mean, we serve this client base and 
we also need the money and the, you know, sort of traction to get money to go toward this client base. So like, I don't know, I feel like it needs to start back with kind of getting rooted in your identity, like who you are, your purpose, like if, if these kinds of questions are coming up, mm-hmm. like doing kind of an identity check of like, who are we? What's, what do we do? What do we not do? Who is our ideal client, both from who we serve as well as sort of the type of donor, maybe we don't care, like it can be anybody who's got money, right? Like whatever, but like sort of taking that step back, evaluating, creating like where are we going with that? And then build your marketing around that. And, and, you know, I know it's coming from a limited budget standpoint. How many people say we have a limited marketing budget, so we can only right like market to X, Y, Z, like right now, or okay, then, then pick it, like pick it based on what your greatest need is and where you're trying to go, like what your, what your greatest growth area is. Like, I don't know if I'm oversimplifying it, but I feel like that's kind of where my gut reaction is to this one. I think if this is your question, um, send us a follow-up because I'd like to hear more detail about what it is your, like what the organization does. Like, so maybe more context about what the organization does would help us find a way to answer it more, more than the, just the really basic thing, which is, I don't think you know what your mission is. Cause if you don't know who your target, if you don't know who your target constituents are, it makes me wonder like what kind of nonprofit can have a mission that doesn't have a, an identified target constituency. But maybe it's less about, we don't know who they are and more, we don't know where to find them. Okay. Right. Like, cause I'm sitting here thinking. So it's, so it's, so it may be difficult to access the target constituents. Yeah. Maybe it's that. They're not, they're either, either it's, you know, I'm thinking of a human services organization that might be trying to find people that are marginalized in some way and don't want to put their heads up and say, I need help. Right. So how do we find and them? And maybe they're right? not in traditional forms of technology. Okay. Right. So that, I'm almost wondering if it's, I, I don't know, I'm just guessing, but like maybe it's rooted in something like that. Okay. Um, which I mean, to me, I guess I also feel like there's an opportunity there. Like what I would do is then if, if that is the case and we're speculating a lot here. So again, <laughs> we're like, fa- like we're answering our own, our own questions. We're creating <laughs> our own scenario here for you. So anyways, but like what I'm thinking is like, you know what I would do in that case? Like if you're not sure exactly where you find the people you do, like what if you got, I'm sure you've served somebody before, like get a, a group of people and say, where do you go to get your information? Like, where do you like, is it whatever, or is there like a, a bulletin board with flyers at your grocery store that you see? Like, I don't know, like, right. Yeah. But like asking them, because like, then you get to hear that from them. And, you know, and from a donor standpoint, obviously, I mean, if you have a limited budget, you you probably can't afford it, but there's all sorts of demographic studies and ways to figure out who's on what social media channels, whatever. And like, don't expect, I do want to say this warning, like every, every board seems to, and every marketing committee seems to go down the path of great, let's do all this marketing because we're going to get all this money from our marketing. And it's like, so not, as you know, Andy, like it's so not just that easy, right? Like it's, it's sort of that magic of, oh, I, I heard this, this news story about the organization. And, oh, I saw this, like, oh, I got a communication from the organization. Oh, there's this, like, um, I saw something on social media about them. So it's sort of like this rounded out approach that generally speaking, everyone says, well, I'm not getting any money back from this marketing vehicle. So I must be doing something wrong. And it's just generally not that black and white and clear cut. Yeah. Yeah, The other thing maybe is if, if it is difficulty in finding constituents, maybe, one of the cool things about nonprofits generally is that they're regional, right? There's yes. usually like some in an area. So a lot of times if you reach outside of the area that you're in, so if you are in Nevada, if you're in Las Vegas and, and you find somebody in Phoenix, 
Good like point. they're probably reaching a different population. You maybe talk to them about like, how do you do it? Right. Yeah, That's yeah. And, and most people are, and I've always discovered that most people are pretty friendly, right. At sharing, sharing things that they know. People like to pretend like they're experts, Stacy and I, right. We like that people like <laughs> yes. to be asked questions and yeah. be able to answer them and, and, and just reach out because you're not in competition with these people. No. And, and a lot of times you can learn a bunch of really new cool stuff. Well, you did it. Congratulations. You got to the end of another episode of Nonprofit Everything. Again, this is a production of the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. The way this works is you send us our, you send us questions and Stacy and I either try to answer them or if we can't or think we can get a better answer from somebody else, we'll call in a guest expert to answer. Um, so please send us those questions. That's the way the podcast works. If you don't send us questions, we'll just, I don't know, what we talk about. Uh, I'll talk just, about my well, kids and you can talk about your animals. How's okay. That? My, my animals are my kids. <laughs> yeah, so, so if you want to listen to a half an hour of Andy talking about his kids and Stacy talking about oh, my fur babies are so cute. Though. <laughs> <laughs> so save, save everyone from that by sending us some questions. <laughs>